Welcome to The Dreaming. I'm Sasha Smulders. I'm Joe Fulgham. This is The Sandman, Issue 46, Brief Lives, Chapter 6. Cover date for this issue is March of 1993, but it was actually in stores December 22nd of 1992. But we're advancing in time here. Mm. Yeah. Good old 1993. I can't remember what happened then. Oh, I remember everything. Do you? Oh, yeah, vividly. Yeah? How old were you in 93? Uh, four. Yeah, okay. <laughs> some uh, some good uh, running around in circles there. Oh, yeah, and blocks. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, colorful the, blocks. The mm. colorful blocks years. Ah, uh, yeah. 93 was a good year for colorful blocks. <laughs> The cover of this is Photography, Acrylic, Silk, and Color Xeroxography, which I guess now we'd call color photocopies. Hmm. Very Bast-focused. We've got Bast there and some cats leaping out of a window in one section. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't notice that was a cat. For some reason, I thought that was like a hand with a cigarette or something because of the smoke swirl. Oh. No, no now that you say cats. it's a cat, it completely makes sense. They're all cats. It's not smoke. It's cats. Yeah. Everything is cats. Spiral of cats. <laughs> That's the internet. It's all cats all the way down. Cats. Yeah. Cats all the way down. Cats on cats. We thought it was turtles, but it's not. It's cats. Yeah, it's cats. And then the picture on the top left, is that a, that's a flower up close, isn't it? Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. I think it is a flower. And then we have some kind of canvas with, is that? String or straw or twine or... It's string. String. Yeah. All right. This this episode features a panting dog because it is hot as balls. <laughs> it's not that hot here. It's hot for us, it's I guess. It's hot for me. And hot for this dog. It's hot for me and it's hot for Loki. <laughs> it's not hot for Joe because Joe's a lizard, but it's hot for me and yeah. for Loki. Oh, I love it. I love this. Well, we've had to, because we're recording, we've closed the windows and doors, and I don't, I'm don't. i not a fan of that. It's going to get hot and stuffy in here. But when the doors and windows are open, it's lovely. Mm. I love it. I also uh, hit my head rather hard today at work, yeah. so I'm going to be a little more in delirium's realm than normal, which I'm already in there a <laughs> lot to begin with, let's be honest. I just got, just got one, one foot in delirium's realm from my random hitting of my head quite hard. Yeah. Well, let's get to the inside then oh, good. see how bad the damage is. <laughs> we start off with destruction with Barnabas, his dog. Mm-hmm, just chilling in the companion, park. Just chilling out, outdoors, trying to write poetry. Yeah, I think the key word there is trying. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear this dog? Oh, sure. Now that I bring you up to the microphone, you're quiet. Anyway, that's a hot dog. (laughs) I call this basilisk and cockatrice, a moral poem. I dreamed I saw a basilisk that basked upon a rocky shore. I looked upon the basilisk. With eyes of stone, I looked no more. I dreamed I saw a cockatrice a-chewing on a piece of bone. I gazed upon the cockatrice. One cannot gaze with eyes of stone. To look upon a basilisk is never really worth the risk. To gaze upon a cockatrice is permanent and never nice. For it can never be denied. Life isn't pleasant, petrified. Is that it? It is indeed. Ah, well, 
At least it wasn't long. I take it you weren't overly impressed then. Doggerel. Rubbishy doggerel. What does doggerel even mean? Verse or words that are badly written or expressed. <laughs> it's specifically a word meaning that your writing was bad. Uh. Yeah. But what do you expect when destruction tries to be creative? <laughs> I agree with him. It's not a good poem. No. It's not. It's not a good poem. Well done, Neil. Neil can write well and show us what it's like to not write well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The Sandman Annotations notes that the poem is in some ways reminiscent of Lewis Carroll, particularly of Sylvie and Bruno, and they have two verses that they've pulled out here that uh, I think are a pretty good example that Neil probably played on. He thought he saw an elephant that practiced on a fife. He looked again and found it was a letter from his wife. At length I realize, he said, the bitterness of life. He thought he saw a buffalo upon the chimney piece. He looked again and found it was his sister's husband's niece. Unless you leave this house, he said, I'll send for the police. And that's all in iambic pentameter. That's why it's got that da 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 Yeah. A few strainings of that in What Destruction Has Made, which showcases that he's not doing a great job. No. A basilisk is a mythical reptile with poisonous breath and a petrifying gaze. And a cockatrice is the offspring of an egg laid by a rooster and hatched by a toad, resulting in a creature that is partly rooster, partly reptile, and its touch is petrifying. Oh. Well, the basilisk, it lives in the Chamber of Secrets beneath Hogwarts. That's right. And didn't they have to use mirrors against that somehow? Uh, no. They the um, look at it. Uh, uh, the the phoenix flies down and gouges out its eyes, and oh, then yeah. um, they stab the journal with the tooth. Uh, it's been a while since I read those books. Yeah, I think with its own tooth, wasn't that it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it, they don't actually kill it. They blind it. Maybe they kill it now that I think about it. Oh, yeah, he totally pulls the sword of Gryffindor out of the sorting hat. Oh, oh, because the phoenix brings him the sorting hat, and then he reaches in and he pulls out the sword of Gryffindor from the sorting hat oh, and then stabs right. the basculus right through the face. That's right. It's been so long since we've watched the first one but, or read it. Yeah, I'm at least remembering this is what happens in the books. I don't really remember the movies as much. I didn't love the movies the same way that I love the books. Um, but yeah, also the the um, phoenix comes in and, uh, and scratches out the basilisk's eyes so it can't petrify oh, yeah. Harry anymore. And so I he's just fighting a giant snake. I say first, it's actually second, right? Chamber of Secrets? Chamber is... of Secrets is the second book. Second one, yeah. yeah. I actually haven't watched Harry Potter in ages. I feel like I'm due for a rewatch of the entire series. Mm. That'd be fun sometime. Mm-hmm. If we ever I'm find for a reread of the entire series, if we ever find time, mm-hmm. dog roll, of course, is also a pun because he's a dog. Yeah, and destruction points this out. Spare me. So, what remarkable feats are we going to accomplish today? The usual. I'm going to work on a painting. You're going to sit in the sun, scratch for fleas, romp about, eat, and sleep. Maybe you'll gaze up at me adoringly from time to time, my faithful hound. <laughs> in your dreams. I don't dream. Wouldn't do to give too much away, especially not now. I don't see what you're so worried about. No? Ah, Barnabas, that's because you never met my family. And then over the next page, we meet two members of his family who are looking for him. Delirium and Dream. Delirium is getting rejected. We get caught, yeah, right in the middle of this conversation where Dream has basically said, we're done. going to go home. You go home. Uh, we're not going to look for him anymore. And this section is called The Parting of Ways? Yes. What well, was the first one? Life isn't pleasant petrified. Life isn't pleasant petrified. Life isn't pleasant pe- petrified. Oh, I can't do it. It's difficult. Life isn't pleasant petrified. Correct. 
Oh, the Salmon Annotations notes that Barnabas on the previous page has the that coiled tail. So he's probably of a Spitz-style breed, which includes Huskies and uh, Lycas and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to see if I could find a really accurate version of a dog that looks like him and say, oh, it's probably this one. None of them match up perfectly. So he could also be a bit of a mutt. I thought he looked a bit like an Australian um, Shepherd, but the eyes are the wrong color. Instead of having blue eyes, or Australian cattle dog, um, but with red eyes instead of blue eyes. Am I not thinking of Australian cattle dog? Maybe it's the wrong one. They're black and white and brown. And yeah, no, that's the Australian cattle dog. They don't have the curly tail, though. Oh, okay. But you're right Maybe that like, his, his, face. his face shape is. But the Spitz breeds all have that as well, plus that little corkscrew tail on the end. Oh, well, all dogs are pretty much the same anyway. They <laughs> Breeds are, they're blurry. <laughs> we just assign names to traits. <laughs> There's an entire page of Spitz breeds that uh, I think match up pretty nicely. None of, them, none of them have his exact coloring, though. Well, he's a bit of a mystical dog. He can talk and he's got red eyes. So. Sure, sure. So Delirium's not happy with this uh, outcome. Well, Dream is also not being particularly tactful in the way he tells her this. Yeah, it's it's that's his way, but yes, exactly. Ugh. I like the bit where she says, I thought we were friends. And he says, friends, my sister? I thought we were family. Okay, well, I see it's like that. Well, I'll be back in my realm then, if you want me. If anyone wants me. And reality shatters around her as she goes to her (laughs) realm. (coughs) Meanwhile, back in the dreaming. Oh, God, I laughed out loud (laughs) when I saw this next page. You did, I remember. With our elfin friend. She's dancing and singing. Yeah, it's Nuala dancing, and Dream is not in a mood. Stop that. And he calls for Lucian and tells him he's back, and it's over. And we get our titles. Yeah. Six. Life isn't pleasant, petrified. The parting of the ways. The trouble with mortals. Which we're about to start now. Dreamings of meeting or meetings of dreaming. The trouble with gods. Mervyn sets him straight. Have you got anything with a happy ending? Tempus Frangit. We'll get to those as we get to them. So here we are at the Trouble with Mortals. Dream just calls up Pheromond, who happens to be in the middle of a bath, (laughs) smoking a cigar. Life Uh, is good. And this is before everyone had cell phones all the time, where we were used to getting interrupted in our baths. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not, not like you couldn't answer this call, I think. Yeah, you don't see him, like, accept or deny. He's just suddenly looking over and there's a big glowing presence, right? Yeah, yeah. Ruby's dead? Yes. Ah, me, that's the trouble with mortals. They do that. Not to worry, eh? So, Fairmont's kind of used to mortals dying. Yeah. But we've actually had this kind of revelation that Dream has started to finally give a crap lately. Like, he felt bad about Ruby. And he's checking with Fairmont. He's like, you don't care? Everyone's mm. like, oh, I can't really do it. They keep dying anyway. Yeah. If you outlive everyone eventually, you maybe feel slightly less attached. Slightly. But to me, it's kind of like, I mean, even if it would be at least be like dogs. Sure. Right? Where you'd still feel sad when your dog is gone, knowing even that they don't last forever. Hi, Loki. As you breathe heavily on the floor, you poor old dog. <laughs> he looks fine. He's... Flopped out on the floor. So, but I guess after hundreds of years of people doing that, I guess it goes away. Yeah, so after he hangs up on Faramond in the bath, he, uh, he's he got to lock himself away. 
because he's already in the center of the dream in his throne room. Mm-hmm. But then he basically can lock it off to make it the most private possible. Right. So you know why this is happening? Nope. So we know where he's going next. He goes to meet with Bast, mm-hmm. right? What's been happening to everybody he's been checking in on to find destruction? Oh, they die. They've been dying. They've been in big, big trouble. So he is making sure that whatever is endangering the people that he looks for cannot know that he is going to see Bast. That makes sense. And so he sits in his center of power and he closes everything off, every single opening to the dreaming. And then from there, when he knows that he has his privacy, that's what it says, assured of his privacy, only then does he go to Bast. So he definitely cares about her. Mm-hmm. And he's being as meticulous as I think Neil can have the character be mm. in making sure that she is not in danger from his inquiries. Mm. Yeah. That was considerate of him. I think so, yeah. that's And that's what I wanted to talk about that. Because mm-hmm. I realized, I, I read that going, oh, this is what he's doing. The sand tumbles like dust from his hand, and a low wind seizes it and casts it onto the floor. Huge dunes rise, then, golden and umber. The sky above is vast and violet, a sky of older days. Presently, the moon rises. Mm -hmm. And he walks across the dreaming sands under the pale moon, through the dreams of countries and cities, past dreams of places long gone and times beyond recall. Ghost cats prowl the shadows and hills, the desert gullies and ravines. At the edge of the desert is the city of Bubastis. The city is Bubastis as she never was, save in the dreams of a long-dead builder and in the dreams of a blind child dead 4,000 years, who had never seen the city she lived in all her short life, and in the dreams of the goddess of that place, the dreams of Bast. Now, this seems strange. He he never... He doesn't usually speak. um, He doesn't usually narrate. Ordinarily, we'd have a narration, an exterior narration. But in this scene and in the scene where he enters the delirium's realm, he's self-narrating. You're right. It seems strange. Yeah, who's he talking to? And at first I thought, well, maybe it was like a mistake and that it had been intended to be the regular narration. But it literally says in the first one, I "I walk across the dream sands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess being a being of story, he can't help but narrate his own story sometimes. I guess. Yeah, it just seems... um, it is interesting. Different yeah. from every other one we've ever read mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that way. Perhaps it's because he's doing it at, in dreams as dreams. I don't know. Mm. It certainly happens once the dream starts. There is the regular narrative in just the yellow boxes. Presently, the moon rises and then he takes over. Mm-hmm. Although he his taking over is in, you'll note, it's not in speech bubbles it's in his version of narration bubbles. Yeah, they don't go to his mouth. Because they're squarish and they don't go to his mouth. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So he took over the narrative probably because he's in dreams? Mm. I, well, maybe not probably. That's my guess. Bast has some uh, interesting questions for him. <laughs> yeah. It is strange to see you today. I found myself thinking of you. I forget exactly why. Tell me, am I simply dreaming that we are meeting? Or are we actually meeting, albeit in a dream? We are meeting. Yes, but then perhaps I am simply dreaming of you, dreaming that you said that. Perhaps. 
It's true, right? Like, can you ever be sure if a dream where you meet dream is like dream literally showing up or just some dream that looks like dream mm. showing up? Is that the rule? How does that work? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Bubastis was an ancient Egyptian city. It's in the uh, Nile Delta. It was the kind of the capital of its little local district at the time and was probably named for the goddess Bast. Mm. She's an ancient goddess as well. Started off with the head of a, a lion or I think even a tiger, and she was kind of a war god, but then uh, later on turned into more of a household god. The Egyptians highly revered cats because they kept away all the vermin that were going after all their food all the time so that they were they were highly prized. And the cats of the wealthy were often adorned with jewels. Mm. Yeah, Loki doesn't like cats. He wants to be adorned with jewels. Yes, he does. Send jewels. And this particular section of the comic would be called Dreamings of Meeting or Meetings of Dreaming. Yeah. Yes, my poor lost city and my people, come here, my darling, the wretched thing. These are the ghosts of those of my folk who were embalmed that they would live forever in the world beyond. But their physical forms were exhumed over a hundred years ago, ground up and used to fertilize the land. Now they are only memories, slowly fading from the lands and the world. Dreams of ghost cats and cats of ghost dreams. I know how they feel. Hmm. Yeah, Bast is a goddess without many followers right now. Yeah. And she asks Dream to create somewhere they can sit, and she lounges like a cat. She's very cat-like in this. I love it. I think she is fantastic. Mm -hmm. She's, uh, you can see every moment of her personality and how she's drawn and her posings. Let me see. I suppose it is possible that today you thought to yourself, why, it has been two years since last I saw Lady Bast and too long before that. It has been far too long since we sat beneath the summer moon together and talked of pleasant fripperies, of that and of this, and left others to speak sensible things of important consequence. I shall rectify this on a moment. And suiting the thought to the deed, you sought me out. But then, that is no longer your way. So it seems to me more likely that you have come to me to talk of sensible things. (laughs) Yeah, she might not have worshippers. She's still wise. She is still perceptive. Mm -hmm. And his eyes, he has cat eyes while he's here. Yeah, the longer he's here, the more cat-like he's becoming. Yeah, his hair becomes more uh, in the shape of ears, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dream, I do love you, you know. You make me laugh. Why weren't we ever lovers? Perhaps you know me too well, my lady. See? You're so funny. <laughs> well, what's the problem? I think that's absolutely the right answer, though. She knows him <laughs> too well, and he's, he doesn't like that. He likes to be aloof and mysterious. Mm. He's looking for his brother, and she had claimed during a season of mists mm. that she knew where his brother was. Yeah. But now she admits that she doesn't know and that she had been lying. Yeah. I didn't know. I was lying. Had you wished to take the matter further, I would have had to admit that I did not know your brother's current location. He has never been fond of my folk, after all. He's a dog person. <laughs> Nobody says let slip the cats of war. I last heard tell of your brother 60 years ago in Paris. His companions savaged one of my people, but I've heard nothing since. He's well hidden 
So his companion was a dog. Might not have been Barnabas because, you know, Dream keeps having new ravens. But it was a dog. Savage, one of her people. To find hidden things, you need an oracle. Why not talk to the Sphinx? I need no riddles. And there are no oracles who can tell me of my family if my family do not wish it. None? Do you know any oracles that might be able to tell of his family? Yeah, I think the three witches. Oh, they, yeah, yeah, the, the three, the kindly ones. The, the kindly fates ones. certainly could. I think, yeah. I don't know if they would help Dream, though. No, probably not. Any others come to mind? Oracles that could. Yeah. Uh Oh, Eve, maybe? Mm, I don't think she's an oracle. Mm. Exactly. No, not that same way. Okay, no problem. No, no, none, none come to okay. mind. And he says goodbye and thank you to her for being helpful. And she wakes and we see she's not doing as well as she was doing in dreams. No. She's eaten rats that she can find. Her ears prick forward. Someone is praying to her. A young human female whose cat companion was recently hit by a car. The cat is beyond recovery, and Bast sends it mm. an easy death. The effort tires her. She remembers when prayers and offerings swarmed around her at all times, uncountable, when she would pick and choose between them, selecting prayers on merit or on whim, accepting or rejecting offerings. She is beginning to be scared of dreams. Bast is getting old. Yeah. Because when gods get old enough... They go back to the dreams they came from. Yeah. Take a moment and pray to Bast. (laughs) Give her a little bit of worship, I guess. Mm. I don't know. Gods are kind of scary at the same time. And we get to see Mervyn. And I love this. I love this not just because it's Mervyn and he's great, but because it shows you how Mervyn works. Because we were saying, what does Dream even need people to build things for? He just kind of conjures them up. Well, Mervyn's kind of the story of how that works. I also really, it took me a moment. I didn't notice it right away. Mm -hmm. But Mervyn is putting up posters of books on the walls. And that's what makes all these books. Like they're real books. Yeah, yeah. He's creating new wings in the library by just putting up wallpaper that looks like them. Yeah. And then at the end of this page, you see Dream come walking down that hallway that he just plastered up. Mm -hmm. It's like Wile E. Coyote drawing a tunnel onto the side of a mountain. The Library of Dreams. The management cannot be held responsible for anything lost or found within. Mm-hmm. Signed, Lucian, Chief Librarian. And you note that uh, Mervyn's got some buddies around him, little smoking bats. Yeah. Wearing tiny hats. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Look like snitches. I guess they work with him or work for him. Mm-hmm. The books that Lucian has, we can read some of them. Uh, the Death of Kai Lung by Ernest Brahma. Uh, Ernest Brahma was an English author, and Kai Lung was a character in a series of books by him, consisting of The Wallet of Kai Lung, Kai Lung's Golden Hours, Kai Lung Unrolls His Mat, The Moon of Much Gladness, published in the USA as The Return of Kai Lung, Kai Lung Beneath the Mulberry Tree, Kai Lung Six, and Kai Lung Raises His Voice. Kai Lung is a Chinese storyteller whose travels and exploits serve mainly as excuses to introduce sub-stories, which generally take up the majority of a Kai Lung book. Mm. So I think he sidetracks into other stories to talk about while he's having his own adventures. Yeah, it's like the first scene in an episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. 
And in this we get the, because Lucian's library is unwritten books, books that were only written in dreams. We have the death of Kailung. So we have the end of that series. Chanticleer's Dance by Hope Merleys. Uh, Hope Merleys is one of Neil's favorite authors. She's uh, one of her most famous books is uh, 1926's Lud in the Mist. The Last Voyage of Lemuel Gulliver is uh, by Jonathan Swift, who was a late 17th century, early 18th century Irish satirist, best known for Gulliver's Travels. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lemuel is Gulliver's first name. Mm -hmm. So that's The Last Voyage of Him. The Emperor Over the Sea by C.S. Lewis. Lewis has been referenced before, especially in uh, issue number 36. He was an early fantasist and Christian writer noted for his Chronicles of Narnia, of which this would be the continuation. Yeah. I don't know much about it, but the Emperor Over the Sea is apparently the one who sent Aslan to free Narnia. By, mm-hmm. And so because of the way the allegory works, because Aslan is basically Jesus, that makes the Emperor Over the Sea the Christian god. Yeah. So I guess this is finally going to meet the Christian god, the un, the uh, unwritten part of that. Ian and Anne's Book of Days, no real reference to that, except Ovid has a uh, poem called Fasti which is also translated as the Book of Days or On the Roman Calendar. It's a six-book Latin poem published in 8 AD. Hmm. Well, maybe it's that. Yeah. And the last one, all we get is Phoenix and the end of the name B-I-T. The Salmon Annotations thinks that might be British children's author Edith Nesbitt, who Mm. wrote The Phoenix and the Carpet, among others. And that book might be The Sand Fairy and the Phoenix, a second encounter between two of her fantastic beasts. Okay. That could be cool. But we're not sure. You had a really good voice for... For Mervyn? Yeah. Was it like this? I think so. You should pick a little bit of this to do. Probably a little... The braggadocious parts. But I've been thinking about this. You work with your hands. You got a lot of time for thinking. And what I figure is this. It's not his fault, you know? It's like you hang out with poets and those guys, you're bound to go a little flaky. He ought to hang out with guys like me, the salt of the earth, real everyday Joes, you know? We'd set him straight. I mean, look at you. You're a book pusher. I mean, hey, nothing against books, but seems to me that these days you're practically running this place. The old days, a hundred years would have gone by, and he wouldn't have said maybe a dozen words to you. And who should appear behind him? <laughs> yeah. But then, when I was held captive and the castle crumbled, Lucian stayed here and did his duty as best he saw it, while the rest of you fled. Who else here can make that claim? You, Mervyn? What did you do while I was imprisoned? I, uh, bit of this, bit of that. I drove a bus. We saw him uh, driving the bus when Dream was actually rescued or freed. I love his little being surprised face. (laughs) His eyes are so big. I know. It's total cartoon character. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. He's very expressive. Mm -hmm. And his body's always like in this motion, like a pose that's like a, a full body sway. Yep. Um, at all in every moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mervin's great. I love him. Like he's a bundle of loose sticks under his clothing that's a, always seems to be about to fall apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very bendy, just barely keeping it together. So properly chastened, Lucian wanders away. Mervin sets him straight. Mervin sets him straight, which he doesn't. Mm. Mervyn claims he could set him straight and then he's given an offer and he's like I'm with you boss Lucian when we last spoke ah yes lord 
You wished inquiries to be made concerning certain forces acting contrary to your interests in your journeying? And you have investigated and found nothing. How did you know? I know. My lord, there is something else I thought I should inform you of without delay. It is, of course, perfectly possible that you know all about it already, however. And what he's pointing out is in his gallery, Delirium Sigil has gone black. Yeah, it's just darkness. And so he calls his other sister Death. Yep. (laughs) And once again, she is upset with Dream. I love that she just straight up ignores him. Mm -hmm. Like he's talking to her and instead she decides to have a conversation with Lucian and not talk to Dad. Yeah. Not talk to Dream. Because I'm mad at you. That's why I'm not talking to you. Yeah. What did you do to Delirium? I beg your pardon. What have you done to her? She's closed off her realm. You've seen her sigil. It's black. What did you do? I did nothing to her. Dream. I merely curtailed our journeyings. Dream. I was trying to protect her. Dream. I called you as soon as I saw it. I called you. Hmm. Well, you better do something about it. Such as? You know what she's like. She's not exactly stable. She's only a kid. Go and talk to her. Why me? You upset her. You sort it out. But she's closed her realm. She will not want visitors. Of course she doesn't want visitors. She's in a snit. But you can still go to her realm. Go and talk her out of it. But... I'm not having her going the same way Destruction did. Very well. I will talk to her. Is that all? Yes, I suppose it is. And so he heads over to Delirium's realm. Mm-hmm. And it is wild. Yeah, the first page is like, looks like children's doodles and then cut out pictures Mm -hmm. put together over top of it. A woman stands with doves on her shoulders. The doves are scorpions. The woman is a small pool of ice cream melting on a sidewalk on a hot summer's day. Ten days without sleep lurches and bubbles towards him and through him and away. The sour clinical smell of a hospital which brings with it beds and surgeons and saline drips. Dark rooms filled with formless people who breathe bitter shrouds. And we've got some weird art here. I, I wish I could identify the head that's on this butterfly here. It looks like some kind of Renaissance poet or artist or something like that. But mm. I, I couldn't. I tried doing some reverse image searches on the internet, but just couldn't identify mm. what it was. If you know, write into us. Yeah, let us know. TheDreamingAtModeOfDust.com And even the little bits of text that are put in wasn't good enough, mm-hmm. mediocre. Um, it, the one obscured by the dark rooms, I think, says fear. Mm-hmm. So this is all about what's going on in Delirium's head, too. She's feeling not good enough. Yeah, and all the people in her realm as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we get all sorts of that stuff. And in the middle, we see her sundial. It says Tempest Frangit, and that is time shattered, as opposed to the typical Tempest Fugit, which is time flies. Oh, neat. Time breaks or time shatters, yeah. It looks like she's gone and cut all of her hair off. Mm-hmm. And she's cried enough that um, her bottom false eyelashes are falling down her face as well. <laughs> They're hanging from her face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you weren't my brother, I'd make it so you could never get out of my world. So when you thought you were out of my world, you'd just be further in. Maybe I will. Have you ever gone mad, Dream? I could do that. I could do it if I wanted. You aren't even wearing your helm. So we've had kind of the opposite, the the reverse with Dream being this is the center of my world. Nobody can challenge me here. Mm-hmm. She's This is her realm. She yeah, is he, powerful here. He came to the center of her realm. Yeah. And he responds properly. Hush, little sister. And we find out his real 
desire for why he went into the world in the first place. It was, I mean, this had been said at the beginning by him. He had said it to Lucy and he hadn't said it to her, though. He didn't say he wanted to see her. He said he wanted to get his mind off of it. But Mm. part of his, he was hoping that he would encounter her, the woman that he had dated, the woman he had been with. That had broken up with him. Mm-hmm. He was hoping he would just run into her in the in the waking world. Right. Because that's how stories often work, right? You go looking for your brother and you meet your long lost love and everything gets better. Yep. He knows how stories work. He just doesn't know which ones apply to him. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to travel with me, I would resume our journey together. Um, Dream, do you like me? Yes, I suppose I must do, Delirium. You entertain me. And it distresses me to see you troubled. Really? Really. Well, I like you too, I think, when you don't tease me. So let's go and find him properly this time. Ready or not, here we come. Okay, so this is time for predictions. Your last prediction didn't really come true at all. You you thought that they would go somewhere that had to do with destruction, that either reminded him of destruction... Or it would be a flashback to more destruction. We didn't get that at all. We got to see destruction on his own. But then Dream just went, I quit. And then went, oh, that was really mean of me. I don't quit. How could you have predicted that, though? Yeah. So what's going to happen next? Um, Mm -hmm. I still think we're going to get a flashback with destruction about the moment he really, truly decided, the tipping point for when he decided to leave. Okay. I think we're still going to get that. We just haven't gotten it yet. It's going to be some kind of flashback. Okay. Any predictions as to what goes on in that flashback? Any Mm. details you want to? No. Okay. (laughs) So we'll get uh, Destruction's actual I quit message. Didn't we get, did we not get that already? Well, we got him talking in the um, Academy of Science when they had the chimpanzee and he was just talking about how reason is taking over and we know what happens next when reason happens. Mm -hmm. But I still think there had to be something, some immediate action that would actually cause him to do that, that would cause him to flip the table and walk away, you know? Okay. All right. That's what we're going to see. I guess we'll find out how accurate you are next episode. So accurate. The most accurate. (gasps) You've been Dreaming of the Sandman, issue 46, Brief Lives, chapter 6. For show notes, visit thedreaming.motivedust.com. Support future episodes at patreon.com slash thedreaming. And we'd sure appreciate it if you'd tell your friends about us. Our theme music is Oneri by Kai Engel. Hear more at kaiangle.bandcamp.com. The Dreaming was recorded in Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, Kikate, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. I'm Joe Fulgham. Thanks for listening. Time to wake up.